welcome. Thanks for joining us today. So glad you found us. If this is your first time, we want to extend a special welcome to you and certainly hope it's not your last time and would invite you to click on the digital connection card up in the corner here and just let us know who you are. And if there's any questions we might be able to answer and if maybe there's a prayer request you'd like to leave, we'd be happy to pray with you for that. And then if this is your spiritual home, we also invite you to use that same digital connection card. So grateful that you found us today. And if there's a prayer request or information you'd like to let us know here in the building. I want to share a couple things with you. I want to invite your participation uh, coming up in a couple weeks is trunk or treat in our community, as well as the uh, trick or treat time on Saturday, uh, October 29th here at the church. And we want to love our neighbors well. And if you'd like to help us in that by making a donation, you can click on the give button up above and leave a gift and we'll be happy to go shopping and, and put your efforts into blessing our neighbors. And then I want to share with you an exciting opportunity that's happened for us. Over the last seven years, we've participated in Richland Gives, which is a uh, effort by the Richland County Foundation, which is to help nonprofits on Giving Tuesday. You know, you have Black Friday and then Cyber Monday and then on Giving Tuesday, we invite our community to give together on one day. And what's been incredible over the last seven years is it's generated more than $2 million of generosity. But because of our participation in the last number of years, and we were part of the inaugural effort uh, some seven years ago, we received a grant to have a video produced about the mission and work of Linden Road. And so I'm happy to share that with you now. Linden Road is one of the original 10 churches of downtown Mansfield. Yeah, moved out here in the 50s. We're a little over 200 years old. The church is not just a building. The church is all of us, and it's going out into the community to spread the word of Christ. And we do what we can to help people give them a hand up and walk with them so that they can be provided with what they need so that they can better their own selves and continue their own walk with Christ. We like to go out in the community and serve meals. We do Helping Hands lunch down there on Bowman. We also do meals with Point of Grace that's downtown. And not only do we just serve the meals, but we also sit down with our neighbors and we talk to them, you know, get their story. Sometimes some people just need a listening ear. The Facebook page for People Helping People, it's always asking, it says, we have these dates open, can anybody fill them? I'd say 99% of the people that make those lunches are different churches. You know, so if churches weren't there filling those dates, they would be people going hungry. We have a pots and pans ministry here at the church that through Love Inc., you know, we are connected up with persons in the community that maybe had just moved into the community or having uh, just came out of homeless shelters people that are in need of things to be able to have a stable home life. Love Inc. sends me a name and address and phone number and I call them and ask them what they're in need of and they say, do you have any silverware? Because we don't have silverware. And then sometimes they have like little kids and they're like, oh, we have plates. You know, things that you just take for granted. 
an amazing story and you just don't realize the reach. So we were hosting a youth event here, it was a simulcast, and we ordered pizza from a local pizza company. And when the person arrived to deliver, walked in and they said, oh, I know this church. A few years ago, I was really in a difficult place and you all blessed me with uh, kitchenware, with uh, pots and pans and silverware. And you know what? It's like, I just gave those to my daughter because she's working through the same kind of thing right now. We've had people, we've helped them find jobs, we refer, um, so we've had quite a few people that have called us back and say, hey, I've got this job now and you know, I'm doing really great. We're a small church, but we are a mighty church. We don't have the resources to do these big projects worldwide, but you know, anybody can do something, you know, even if you're just going to your neighbor and saying, hey, are you doing okay? You know, is there something that we can help you with? We just want to meet people's needs and to love them with the love of Jesus. And, and so that's where our folks get really excited about being part of that. Like Tom says, you're a blessing to be a blessing. So go bless other people. This is so encouraging to be able to have this video to help tell our story and the impact that we're making here in the Mansfield community. I just want to say thank you for your continued faithfulness in supporting our mission. And as always, we are grateful that we can partner with other agencies in the community to do good, to make life better for all. And as we come to worship today, let us come with an understanding that we serve a God who loves us deeply. sort of in a halfway space here between landing one series talking about who God is and again we've had such we've had such an amazing engagement with people on our social media channels as well as on YouTube better understand the character of God and his traits and I want to transition into how do we make these things practical in terms of as we understand God's character of his mercy and his grace and his trustworthiness and the fact that he is love and the fact that he is a God who is holy and deserves and deserves our worship. As we think about what it means to lean into when we're just weeks away from uh, Advent beginning for this year, and as we think about the, the celebration of Christ coming again, I want to begin first, I don't know if you've seen it, if you watched any of the professional sports, the NFL or the Major League Baseball, there has been a marketing campaign uh, called He Gets Us. I mean, maybe you've seen it on the, the backboards of the, uh, the stadiums or on the digital display boards there. It's a $100 million marketing campaign, and it's created some controversy because of just the things they're trying to address. They've launched it, uh, began earlier this year, and it's ramping up even more so in the seasons as we are watching our sports to see if uh, we can engage people at a whole new level in terms of helping people understand, especially coming out of the pandemic, the fact that faith is a question that many people have, in fact, most people do, and the season we've been in and that we continue in some regards to walk through has really been unsettling for many. It's interesting when we think about the church and we know that the, the local church, many are doing good work, but they're doing it in new and uh, creative ways with reduced numbers. We just know that 
Uh, church attendance has not rebounded, like many things, to pre-COVID numbers. Kevin Palau, who is part of a mission work out of the West Coast, they do evangelism. His father is Louis Palau. He says this, that many people have had negative experiences with Jesus followers who didn't make them feel loved or accepted. And he, he uses this concept of bridges, where he says bridges can invite people to take small steps because some people just want to know and understand that they are loved by God. And what's interesting in this, in this campaign, and we're going to talk about it more in the weeks ahead, is they've done some very serious market research. Some 8,000 people nationwide have been qualified in this conversation. And they say that the issue isn't Jesus. The people find his teachings to be positive and as a good thing for society, and that the things Jesus taught, as peace and being compassionate and to love all people, and it seems as though we need to meet people at that place. And that's where the rub comes in some conversation about this uh, campaign. Kevin Palau and others are suggesting through this He Gets Us campaign is to build bridges, to build bridges between the church and the culture. Not that we abandon who we are, but that we build on-ramps and build connection points. What we mean by that is that the church is a space where God's people, where we gather, where we meet for worship, where we help people grow in their spiritual journey, and then we comfort one another in those moments when life gets complicated. And the culture is the space, he says, where God's people go to share the good news of Jesus, where we advocate for justice and to serve those that are hurting. And as we, we think about as we think about Advent coming, the coming of Jesus, is that that's what Christianity has been about, is the idea of God sending his son, who then turns around and sends us to reach out to the world and to bring the truth of the gospel. And so what will happen as we think about that is it will draw the two sides together. I think in this current season, we're all looking at new tools and opportunities on how to engage people who are far from Christ. And again, what Kevin suggests is uh, that we use bridges to draw the two sides together. Basically, first to overcome the barriers, to build bridges that will make uh, communication and, and allow, to allow traveling between the two regions, between the church and the culture. And then thinking about new opportunities by helping to overcome the barriers, about building, about building bridges that will help people uh, grow the kingdom and, and to explore areas where we could engage better. And so this week, I want to unpack what has been our statement uh, of purpose, simple words. I want to modify it just a little bit about loving God and loving people. Mission statement we say is to love God, love others with no limits. And where that comes from is our study over the years that I've been here of looking at Jesus's ministry. Because there's a moment in Jesus' ministry where someone poses the question, what is the greatest commandment? And I want to look at that story today as we think about our own story as a church here in the community uh, meeting people's needs. In fact, what I'd like to do is share with you a video from this campaign. Uh, maybe you've seen this on TV, maybe you haven't. Uh, but you'll notice that the, the words they use are a little different. They're not churchy words, and they're trying to engage people in thoughtful dialogue. A caring man took a walk. Everywhere he looked, people suffered. Anxiety ran high. Hope dwindled. Hatred rose. His neighbors had lost trust in the system and in each other. I need to do something, he thought. 
I'll bring them together and feed them. Around the dinner table, they can talk and see how much they have in common. Shared struggles, shared joy, shared pain. So he prepared a feast and invited all into his home. But some refused to sit at his table because they chose to only see differences. He was heartbroken because he wanted everyone to eat and be filled, not with food and wine, but with compassion. Again, I love the simplicity of this commercial. It's only a minute long. It's in black and white. And the words, I think, can uh, begin to prime the pump, if you will, for conversations that we can have with our friends and family, especially as we think about coming into the time of Thanksgiving and then the time of Advent where we're going to be spending time with people, uh, an opportunity for us to learn how to talk to people who are having spiritual questions. And so let's begin first with prayer. God, we know the world is broken, and we know that you've called us to love you, and you've called us to love others. And so help us as we process through that, learn how to do that well. And we pray it through the strong name of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I want to look at what his uh, words that we've used here as our mission statement, if you will. They're simple words. Many churches have a similar kind of statement, this idea of loving God and loving others or loving people. And I want to look at a story out of the New Testament where Jesus encounters some religious leaders and he's asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? And I believe as we look at his answer, it becomes a clarifying point uh, for all of us, for then and even for us now. And so let's think about it. I mean, when we think about the great words of love, right, I'm reminded of the, the great book called Pride and Prejudice, where the character Mr. Darcy says, you must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. Or if we lean into the great story written by Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet, and yet I wish but for the thing I have, my bounty is as boundless as the sea. My love is deep. The more I give to thee, the more I have, for both are infinite. Wow, really powerful words right there. Or maybe an, another great uh, poet, uh, Dr. Seuss, he says, you know you're in love when you can't fall asleep because reality is finally better than your dreams. Wow. And then uh, how about uh, this uh, Sarah McLaughlin from uh, Canada? She's a songwriter and poet. She says, your love is better than ice cream. That's a pretty good thing. Or we all remember this, right? The Beatles, the simple song from them, all you need is love. And it's interesting as we look at these various uh, aspects of love, uh, the various uh, concepts that we pull out of these great words we've read, uh, these quotes, that we see there's aspects of God's love. And that's what I want to talk about in the next couple of weeks is how do we practically uh, share God's love in a world that's gone, uh, gone mad? Uh, the good thing is that the Bible, which is his love letter to us, is full of that, full of all sorts of good words to remind us that God is love. And so we have an amazing opportunity as we lean into looking at Scripture this morning to get really great encouragement on what God is doing and what he wants to do with and through us and remind us of his love for us. Now, on the one hand, that sounds really simple, but you know what? We know it can't be simple, especially because of just how crazy things are. And I know for many of us, love isn't just a matter of knowing what it is and how to learn it, that love is 
complicated. It's it's messy and it's confusing and it's at the same time exhilarating and it can be encouraging. And so, so many aspects of it too, I, I don't think I could list them all out. And, and that's why I want to lean into this conversation. So Jesus is asked about what is the greatest commandment. And Jesus gives us these simple words, to love God and to love others. He says that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so that's where I want to start today. So before we jump into understanding the scripture, I want to look at the context in which the scripture comes to us. The things that are surrounding the story, if you will, can help us understand what's going on when Jesus is asked this question about what is the greatest commandment. And so in Matthew chapter 22, we read, it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Okay, let's take and get some perspective on this. Because in this point in Jesus' ministry, he's got the religious leaders all upside down. They're not real happy with him. In fact, they're kind of ticked off. And they're mad about his teaching, and I don't mean in a good way. They really want to challenge him at every point because he's challenging them. He's challenging their authority and many of the things that they've believed. And that's unsettling to them. And particularly, it's bringing issue about their control over the Jewish people. So what's happening here is if they can discredit who Jesus is, or if they can get him to say something that's blasphemous or heretical, then they can jump into an effort to uh, shut him down and get rid of him. And so here in verse 34, he silenced the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees, I like to say they are sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And so Jesus has had a couple conversations with them, and they're not happy with him. And so as the Pharisees hear this, they decide they're going to send in one of their smartest guys they've got. He's a philosophical champion, I'm sure. And he's going to ask one simple question, they think, that will derail all Jesus is about. This dude's a lawyer, and he's an expert, we're told, in Jewish law. So he comes to Jesus, and he asks him this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, what happens is the answer that Jesus gives basically sets the stage for all of we understand about our faith from that point forward. And so Jesus' immediate reply to this expert lawyer is an answer that sends shockwaves through everyone that's standing there. Verses 37 through 40, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is one of those statements or verses that we should know pretty well. In fact, we probably should commit it to memory if you don't know it already. And it should be forefront in, in our mind as much as possible. And so what Jesus does here in his reply is amazing. He takes some of the most important instructions from the Old Testament, the Old Testament law, and he puts them into one summary statement. And he says here in verse 37, where Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now what's interesting here is Jesus is actually drawing on words that they probably should know well. They come out of the Old Testament from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And they're part of a prayer that every Jew prayed. Actually, they prayed twice a day. It's called the Shema prayer. And if you've never heard of the Shema prayer, there's a link here in the worship notes to the Bible project uh, explaining it at a deeper level. And I'd encourage you to take a look at that later. And for the Jew, the Shema prayer, it, it happened twice a day. And it was part of their daily habits. In fact, we know that Jesus grew up praying this prayer. And so this prayer was formative for him, 
and he then draws upon it in his teachings. And so what Jesus does is simply remind the lawyer what the lawyer should have already known. And what's happening is the crowd is listening, and the greatest commandment has been on their lips and in their prayers every day, in fact, twice a day. And then what does Jesus do? Well, he follows it up with another reminder from the law, which he actually draws out of the Old Testament book of Leviticus. It's right in the middle of the book of Leviticus, which is kind of crazy. And he says this, what? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the leaders present would have known each of these passages. They would have had an understanding of them as Jesus shares them. However, but this is the first time that these two passages have been put together. And Jesus says what? All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus had both the divine authority and the insight to make this claim. And who in their right mind could argue with him? Now, I know in this crazy season, and I think this is part of even the idea that Kevin Palau was alluding to, is that there's a lot of confusion in our world today about what it means to be a Christian. And that if we're a Christian, that our life should be different. And that's the problem with the practicality of our faith, is that too many people judge Christianity by the people they encounter. And I think especially in this season, life has been so complicated, and and we really are at, at odds with each other in a way that we shouldn't be. And so if we become a follower of Jesus, it should change the way we live our lives. Oftentimes, though, we focus our efforts on our sinful behaviors, that the things that we need to stop, or the, the things we need to stop saying, you know, the words that you need, to, you need to stop using in your vocabulary. And if you think about your story of when you came to faith, or even my coming to faith when I was in high school, I struggled with those kinds of things. I struggled with the words that I said, and I can remember really being challenged by some of my friends, even by their lifestyle, because as I came to faith, a couple of my friends, it turns out they had uh, no problem with uh, smoking marijuana. And I, I really wrestled with the idea of how do you come to Bible study and youth group on Sunday night and then go out and party on the weekends? To me, it just didn't make any sense. So this idea of conversion, and I, and I think when we look at uh, the scriptures, when we unpack it, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I think many of us wonder why we struggle with the old behaviors and the old sinful patterns that we have, because we're told we're new creations. But what's amazing here is how simple Jesus makes this for us. And I think that's been part of the problem for many people in the church. We've made uh, the faith journey too complicated. It really comes down to love God and love people. And since if we believe that Jesus is our Lord, and we look at the summary statement out of Matthew chapter 22, we see that Jesus comes to rescue mankind We also can see that he gives us a command on how to live our life that is worth listening to. In fact, it's interesting that in the Gospels, Jesus equates obedience with this idea of love. Let's take a look at one. John chapter 15, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, remain in my love. And if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So what does Jesus say here? He says, remain in me as I am in the Father and obey my commands. 
And he says, my command is this, love one another as I have loved you. So if we love God with all our hearts and our soul and our minds, and then it follows from that, that we will also love the people that he puts in our lives that we encounter every day. Now, we're going to talk a little bit later about that in the weeks ahead. But this can be difficult sometimes, right? Because people are messy. But for now, we still need to see and focus on this instruction that we're to love one another. And so we've seen here, this is a new command for us. The greatest commandment, in fact, Jesus says, comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40, which is basically a summary of a couple passages from the Old Testament law. In fact, one could suggest that the 635 laws we find in the Old Testament, Jesus sums up in these two. And it's interesting that the Gospel of John gives us some fresh insight. It says it's a new command. It's a new command from Jesus as we seek to further understand what it means to live in light of the greatest commandment. Okay, let's back up for a moment here and look at John chapter 13, where Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Yikes. I mean, that's where it breaks down in so many different ways in our practical living of our lives day in and day out because Jesus says, love one another, that we're to love our neighbor and that we're to love our family and that we're to love our community. But it's interesting, what's new? Well, he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this is where Jesus picks up the idea that we read in John 15, where he says this, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends, because that's ultimately what Jesus did, right? And so this new command, which helps to explain the greatest commandment, is here where we get to trade our lives for the lives of one another. And that, again, is where the rub comes, because that's complicated. And so let me ask, what does that look like? You know, how do you practically trade your life for someone else's? And I'm not sure I can unpack this fully, is it's going to look different uh, for different people. But let's try to start. First, let's trade what's valuable in your life so others may experience fullness of life. Wow. Let me say that again. Let's trade what's valuable in your life so others may experience fullness of life. And what do I mean by that? Well, what's valuable to you? It's your time and your energy and your money. It could be the car you drive. It could be your guest room in the house. It could be your dinner table and your food. Whatever it is, whatever is valuable to you, Jesus says you need to trade it in. And you need to trade it in with intentionality so that the people around you might flourish in their relationship with God. That that's what this is all about. You think about what Jesus offered us ultimately, his life that allows us to have life and to flourish. And so why do we do that? Well, we do it as he did it for us. We do it for others because we trade our lives so that they may feel loved and that people may be seen and cared for and valuable. And then finally, and so what that really means is, is that what Jesus does for us, that's what he's asking us to do for others, is to trade what's valuable in our life so that others may experience fullness of life. Now, I know in this culture we're in right now, this is a pretty hot topic, this idea of what to love and how to love. I would argue that this idea of love has been around for a thousand of years or so. Uh, this idea that we know that love is an intrinsic part of being human. 
And so I hope as we look forward together to this series and we unpack just the idea of how does Jesus get us is that we will see how it impacts the way we walk each day about how we love, about how our life can be, make a difference in the world around us and how we love others. And then fundamentally and at the, at the foundational of all this is that how God loves you and how God loves me. To sum it up, it, we know that it was love that motivated God to send his one and only son to live and then to die and to be resurrected so that we may experience the fullness of life. Or that's the promise of John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. Now, what's amazing here is that Jesus spends a lot of time. He has a lot of things to say about this concept of love. So as you think about the greatest commandment, and then you think about the new command, I pray that there will be people who come to mind for you, people that maybe you've had some encounters with over your lifetime and who in these last couple years it's gotten complicated, people who need to know the hope of the gospel. And I, I pray that you can think of a couple people specifically in your mind who you could give a little more love to, who you can show the love of Christ in a practical sort of way. Because as we saw the story last week with Hagar, when she was seen, that's the story for all of us. And so we know that people need to feel love and they need to feel being cared for and they need to feel that they have value. The truth is they're around us all over the place. Again, that's why this marketing campaign is trying to create conversations in ways that are different than maybe we've traditionally thought about it. And that stretches some people, but I think it's good to ponder these things because what has worked before isn't going to work in the days ahead. We're in a whole different time. And the truth is God's word doesn't change. But what does uh, stay constant for us is we need to be willing to be obedient. Uh, We're called to love like Jesus loved. And that can be a scary thing. It can be often difficult and more so it can also be very inconvenient. And so as we pray today, I want to pray that we can believe that God will enlarge our capacity, yours and mine together, to love others. And that through it all, people will see Jesus and they will see him at work in our lives. And so let's pray. God, we're grateful for these truths. And Jesus, we thank you for your love. And we want to obey uh, you in all things. And so give us strength and give us your Holy Spirit to encourage us to love and to risk in ways that are new. And we just pray as we encounter that, that we will encounter you at a deeper level. And we just pray for your guidance in all these things. And we pray it through your strength and your name. Amen.